we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we have the one, the only, the amazing, the magnificent. I can keep going on, but I will lose my breath. CJ Olson. That's right. Hey, everybody. Yeah, the man, we've had him on before. He wrote The Immortal Cure and has written a sequel to that book. That's right. There is two books, which means you have to go buy both now. Um, there's just there's just no ands, ifs, or buts. If you don't own the first one, go buy the second one and the first one. And if you own the first one, go buy the second one because it's that awesome. Um, and, and, okay, where can you go wrong when you have airships and tons of awesome fights? And I'm, I'm going to let, you know, and alchemy. I mean, you got to help me. How can you go wrong? You just can't. Uh, so I, I'm going to shut up. I'm, I'm going to let CJ talk a little bit about the books. And Krebs is, of course, with us. Hey! You know, Alton is not with us right now because he is actually enjoying Gamma. Uh, and Gamma did not decide to go into the panic mode and disappear like several other things have been disappearing. Like every uh, other convention at this point, even professional basketball. Company. Yeah, has called it quits for a little while. You know, it's it, bad when NBA's out. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, uh, you know, my son is is going to the world's championship for robotics, and that might be get called off. We've already bought tickets. Uh, uh, you know, we bought uh, tickets to take my 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 daughter's graduating, and uh, she wants to go see BTS. So I bought tickets and all that for that. And it's like they better not. I, I'm sacrificing my soul to sit through a BTS concert, which I'm not going to understand a single word they say because it's Korean pop, K-pop. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, this is what she wants. But if they cancel on that... The flips, mm. On the flip side, I'm I'm planning on investing all my life savings into Amazon stock when this is all over, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too bad you didn't invest in uh, toilet paper and uh, hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> At least here. Uh, oh my gosh, it, it's ridiculous the the insanity. Um, and the, the funny thing is, I, I know this is way off topic, but the funny thing is, this this okay, it's a new strand, but the coronavirus has been around for decades. You know, look at your Lysol bottles before this ever broke out; it's on there. You know, it's just a new strand. It's no big deal. I mean, I've, I've seen doctors on newsreels and stuff like that, and they're just like, quit panicking. It's not yeah. a big deal. Influenza kills more people than this thing does. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's the immediate mass hysteria. So we'll quit talking about it because we're just going to add to that somehow. And people because are instead of the coronavirus, what we have is the author of two amazing books. <laughs> and... and <laughs> And we've come down with a terrible case of awesomeness. So let us fall deep into an epic coma as we talk about your your new... Now, The Sky King is the second book in the Eternal Alchemist series. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 it is. I uh, And, and I, w- I was going to say real quick, you know, I it's been just over a year since I was on this show. And, and uh, I... <laughs> When when uh, Daniel and I had met at Fanex there, I, I mean, I I had just started this thing and, uh, you know, I, I it took me about three years to write the first book, kind of get concepts for everything and stuff. Yeah. And I was seriously awestruck. And it's so funny because I went back and listened to a little bit of the episode and stuff. And I hope I I my the the year of growth i've gone through which feels like almost 10 years this last year uh, <laughs> comes through a little better in this in this interview but yes no sky king is the second book i wrote it in uh in one year um and uh it it wraps up the uh the first the first duology of this six book series nice i i totally admit that i only just got my hands on the review copies today Mm -hmm. and so i've been just kind of you know i i don't like to peruse books because i don't like spoilers i like to do it right i like to read it i like to do it justice it's 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 a work of of passion and love and i want to give it the respect it deserves and so i'm there on the very first page and i have to say like having read um just the very first portion 
of <laughs> admittedly the first chapter. Like I'm, I'm a newbie to this whole series, right? Um, but your voice, uh, your eloquence, your um, choice of vernacular, all you have this beautiful resonance in your writing voice. Are these are these your first books? I, yeah, so so um, not my. It's not my first. It's my first. Uh, yes, it's my first books. The I am not new to writing though. I I I did so. I did a a bachelor's in psychology and then a master's degree in public administration and for six years wrote research papers. <laughs> and and it uh it, it's where i kind of started practicing and learning to love kind of the the art of of writing and, and so that's kind of what led to writing these books was i i graduated and i thought well i have all this time and i have this ability to write i might as well start writing things i want to write now and so that's kind of where that came from well, um, normally you know normally writing intense white papers like that it's definitely going to improve your grammar and mm -hmm. structure, but in terms of vernacular and description and voice, I mean, do you think that writing those research papers helps you develop your creative voice? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think I'm going to give like the most unsatisfying answer, but I, I don't really know how I, I do certain things. <laughs> It's, 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 it's been a phenomenon for me, honestly. I, I mean, obviously it, I really appreciate your, your words and, and, and stuff, but I, I mean, anyone's going to read this book just like any other book and see flaws and stuff in it. But one thing that I, I guess to try to answer your question, a, a lot of the feedback I've gotten from people who read it is they always tell me, oh man, it reads like a, like a movie. Like I read it and I feel like I'm watching a movie as I read it. And and I guess that has to do with how I'm describing things. And it's always been so important to me, like what the character's wearing. I always, mm -hmm. you know, go into detail about, you know, what what they're, you know, what they're wearing and what, what the room looks like and stuff. And um, I realized that that as I'm writing, I always have the the movie in my mind playing and then it. And then I write it on paper. And so if if it seems eloquent and, and, and really drawn out, it, it the only thing I can tell you is, is that it's it's just because uh, I'm not I think I think the words my mind is writing the words, but really I'm painting a picture, I guess, for the most part when I write. That's not no, I, I, that's amazing. Uh, that is a gift and a talent, uh, definitely, because, uh, you know, that's some some people have to work. To make that happen you know right. uh you know learning to write is a skill you know and a lot of us especially with writing papers in school and stuff like that you know we have to tell what's happening you know and there can't be any emotion or anything of like that you know school papers they're the worst apa <laughs> format blah 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 you know and you can't have any your opinion cannot go in there it has to be this weird sterile thing but when you're writing a story you're painting that picture you're you know you're showing you know show don't tell you know that 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 slogan and it's not an easy thing to do you know no. especially no matter where you transition from you know i transitioned from writing modules for role-playing games and stuff like that and that you're like just, you're, you're telling them what they see right showing them so that was kind of a struggle for me at first but then you know once you get that you know it seems like a really easy after that so the fact that you've been able to capture that um coming from where you did that's that's just fantastic and that's an amazing skill so well uh, thanks i i have to i have to add in that that you guys are reading a a finished product i wouldn't want any of your listeners to walk away thinking that i just you know pull this stuff out of thin air <laughs> i mean i mean revision after revision after revision uh hilarious story this is one of my favorites i shared it whenever I, I i mean i haven't done too many but when i when i do uh different panels and things i always i like to share this is i my editor for the first book uh you know she was in california and we'd have these these weekend conversations about her thoughts on the different stuff and and she i get on one day 
And she goes, Chandler or CJ. And she's all disappointed. And I'm sitting there thinking, what's wrong? What, what did I do this time? You know, cause she's always bringing up these different things. She goes, you used underwear. I was like, what? You used, you used underwear. It, you, the, the main character, you, you said underwear. I was like, well, it's what it is, right? <laughs> and she, and she was like, no, no. She, <laughs> and she's, she's like, you can't, you can't do that because you're creating, it was the main character, Alistair. And she's like, you're, this is supposed to be our hero. This is supposed to be the strong, you know, powerful guy that you want to, you want to stand behind and stuff. And you telling us he's wearing underwear. It's just not how it works. I was like, well, what word do you use? And she said, breaches oh you know okay that makes sense <laughs> so so it, it wasn't always so eloquent <laughs> i just want to point that out <laughs> yeah you know if i can if i can jump on that train for a second um i don't know if you guys knew this or not but at one point in time i was an english major about the same time when i was a film student and um you know years later i become a computer science guy and, and i'm doing that now so i i've kind of had my hands in the mix in terms of like literature and performing arts and things like that. But um, I, I remember one time I was hanging out the, the first friend, my first friend I ever made in my entire life back in kindergarten grew up to be a professional actor in Hollywood. And, um, and when we were just little kids, he fostered my love for acting. And what's interesting is that one year when we became adults one year after years of not talking, we hung out for just like a weekend and we were talking and I was explaining how normally when I, when I'm speaking to people, I don't use foul language. I think that, you know, it's important that certain words are used and certain words are not used. That's my personal opinion. And then he came back with, um, I don't, he said something to the effect of uh, words don't really have that much power. Words are not, you know, cause I was arguing that, certain types of speech can then become corrupting and, and, and poisonous and toxic. And he said, you know, words don't have that much power, which really surprised me because he's an actor, right? Like he is a pontificator on the stage. He is, a, he writes scripts and he writes directions and he writes notes and he writes storyboards. And on all of those, what do we have? We have words, right? Word, uh, words pay a salary. <laughs> yeah. And, and so something so simple as underwear to undergarment to breeches. That right, just that transition, you're talking about the exact same thing, mm -hmm. but but it changes the integrity of the story, the integrity of the character, the integrity of the voice of the book. Words have power and words have meaning. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. No, in fact, in fact, uh, what I was just looking i was just i i love youtube i'm just a, I, I fall into the youtube dark hole all the time and one thing i love watching is people talking about why movies are so good or why they're not so good and uh even though i've never seen them you know there's like all these all these classic movies i've never seen um but i was watching this one on the shining and it was comparing mm -hmm. um the the shining the movie uh done by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, Kubrick, right. Um, comparing that to the the miniseries that they had. Mm -hmm. And uh and and they talked about like one of the big things was the visuals, obviously, and stuff like that. But the the uh but the words that the characters were using and stuff in each one were so tremendously different that they set this completely different mood altogether. And it was the words they were speaking, you know, and it, and he went into depth about about you know writing choices and stuff in, in, in each in each in the miniseries in the movie and it was fascinating to me because it's it's so true. It one word can change a sentence easily. Absolutely, absolutely. It's the it's the difference. You know, um, I again when I've had conversations about the importance of words, someone would say, "Hey, if you're going to say crap, why not just say?" And then of course they use the expletive. And I'm right. like, okay, all right, all right, let's do it this way. Uh, you have a four-year-old child in church. Do you want that four-year-old child to say poop? Do you want them to say crap? Or do you want them to say the words you're talking about? 
and then it changes everything, right? If they, if if it's a person who has respect for um, items that others might consider sacred, or locations that others might consider sacred, even if it's not something they consider sacred, they they themselves, mm-hmm. if if they have that sense of propriety, all of a sudden it's a different it's a different conversation, right? Right. Uh, it it it's the it reminds me of Dead Poets Society when Robin Williams says avoid the word very because very is an empty word um don't say i'm very hungry say i'm famished you know don't say i'm very cold say i'm isolated and freezing you know that sort of thing it's um and and your voice in just like the six paragraphs i had time to read earlier today Mm -hmm. um Quite honestly, folks at home, you can't see this, but we're on a Skype call where we're sharing video, uh, and I can see Mr. Olson, and uh-huh. he is about 30 years younger than I thought he was, based on the voice of his book, uh, which is marvelous to me. I love language. I love vocabulary. Um, how, I mean, did, did you go into writing uh, The Immortal Cure? Did you go into writing that with a pretty profound vernacular already, or did you find that you had references and resources to your sites to help you find um, synonyms and alternatives? Oh, great question. Um, I mean, I feel I feel like if I was, and 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 I got to back up real quick because, like I was saying, over the last year, things have just changed so rapidly. I mean, the, the popularity of this book is, I mean, it's outpacing me as far as, as (laughs) what I feel like my talent should, should get from it. But, um, I, I feel like I've always had a slightly above average vocabulary, but when, so funny, I, and again, I'm going to try to explain because, again, it's, it's, it's hard because I've, I don't know exact, exactly how I've been able to do what I've been able to do. But um, something I've done when writing – dialogue is a perfect example in my book. I have, I have all these different characters who talk so different. So there's a character called Giovanni that, that you meet later on in the story, and, and he has this, this gruff, vulgar um, – but not stupid uh, voice, right? His, his, his vocabulary uses and stuff. He's not stupid. And so he doesn't come across as stupid, but he definitely, the way I wrote him and stuff, you, you get, you get right at, you get very quickly this idea that he's, he's this very gruff, vulgar guy. And then, and then Charlotte, who's the, who's the, the main, main protagonist of the story. Um, she has this elevated speech, but not too flowery and, 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 uh, overbearing. And I found that as I was writing them, I thought of movie characters that spoke like them or, or TV show characters that spoke like them or, or audiobook characters that spoke like them. And, and then as I was writing, I, I, re- I remember this had happened a, a bunch is that I would, I would use a, a word that I, I knew was a word used in this instance, but then I realized I don't even know what that means. Right. I wish I wish I had an example. <laughs> right but I, I would, I, I, I had heard it used in different media. And so Charlotte would, would say something and it sounded really smart and eloquent. And then I would have to then Google it to make sure it was actually using it correctly. And, and, and oddly enough, it was for the most part correct. I mean, my editor had to help me figure out a few of them. But so again, it's I, I've always been someone who, if if I sat down and opened a book in order to learn, I wouldn't. I don't learn very much. It's it's always been difficult for me to, just, you know, flip open a textbook or something, read, sure. absorb it. But when when I'm interested in the person talking to me or the show I'm watching or whatever, I feel like I, I my mind's just an infinite sponge and, and I just absorb it. And I mean, a good example of this, um, my wife's watching the recent bachelor, uh, season. My condolences. Uh, Go on. And, 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 uh, I, I, I caught an episode of it right 
towards the beginning she was watching i thought i'll sit down and watch it with her and watch an episode and there's all these it's the bachelor so there's a whole host of girls and uh young women right uh and they <laughs> and there was this and and i and it was interesting i mean it's it's a fascinating if you're a people watcher it's a fascinating show and i remember absorbing kind of all their their personalities and thinking how interesting they were well i just Last night, sat down and caught the last little bit of the latest episode, and there's like two or three girls left, and and I said, and I told my wife, I said, oh, she's the one who who does this, and she's like a model, and she this and this and this, and my wife was just like, how do you remember that stuff? And I said, I don't know, it's it was interesting, so I remembered it. <laughs> so when it comes to vocabulary, I think that's where I can say I've learned the most, and. If I do have an advanced vocabulary, it's not because I've sat down and been studious, but because I just absorb things really easily, I think. Well, th first of all, thank you very much for doing your research when you're using words. Yes. <laughs> instead of just throwing darts at the wall and hoping that you hit bullseye. Um, that makes me very happy as someone who appreciates language, right? Um, Come so, on, that's, you know, that's not. I was just going to jump in there. That's fun, though. You know, just having random words on the on the wall and throw a dart, right? Absolutely. And yeah. don't worry, I'm sure irregardless is a real word. Yeah. You know. Irregardless. We're gonna oh. fight the giant batratard. That's a real word, right? A batratard. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no I, I go when ahead, you're, please. When you're writing, you definitely need to use words, you know. And you don't always want to use simple words. You know, you mm -hmm. wanna use the right word that corresponds in the right moment with the story. If I interject uh, real quick, you don't want to use overcomplicated words sometimes yes. too because it really can take you out yes. of the experience completely. So it's it, it's a balance. Yeah. I, I agree with Dan. You have to use you have to use the right word for the moment. The moment dictates, right? Because some moments are base and vulgar and cruel, and other moments are elegant, and some uh, moments are beautifully simple yes yeah well some of the best some of the best poetry i've read which i'm not well read in poetry but some of my favorites have always been the the most simple because there's there's something about about uh in writing and 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 i mean i'm preaching to the choir here if if you, <laughs> this seems like something you're well versed in but i taking something and 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 making it super complicated and elegant to the point where someone hears and says, that sounds really educated and awesome. And then boiling it down to this simple, but beautiful line. Um, I, I, the example that comes to my head, I've, one of the best titles I've ever, my, one of my favorite titles of a book is the, is Agatha Christie's. And then there were none. Right. <laughs> and and I, I like and then there were none like that's such a simple sentence but it but it conveys so much and it's it's very educated in how it's how it's brought about yeah it, the, the phrasing has gravitas right yeah um absolutely you know um quick question because as we're talking here I'm, I'm starting to like I, I get very curious about yeah. other people's craft right um that's so you're sitting down, you're writing Immortal Cure, you're writing The Sky King. And uh, did you find that there was there a character that came to you immediately and naturally? And every time you wrote for them, it, it just flowed. And conversely, did you have a character that was like it, it was it was a struggle, a wrestle to get just right? This is this is such a good question. I <laughs> I again. I got to say, I've grown more in the last year than my entire life put together. So my editor, um, and this goes back to the, the underwear thing, right? My editor was always frustrated with me when it came to Alistair, the main, the main uh, male protagonist of the story. Because she was like, why do you use such feminine terms to explain him? You know, why does... She she would say like like that I I would especially in my explanation of of him and what he's doing and his features and everything that it was so feminine, and and I I was getting frustrated because I was like I I don't see it like I feel like he's he he's pretty cool and you know and stuff, 
And and she goes, you don't have this problem with Charlotte. And and she goes, you have a a and I, I I don't know if she called this, but she said you have a female voice, right? Or you have a feminine voice or you have a how, however. And, and and I sat back and I thought, oh, my gosh, she's so right. I never had to go back and redo Charlotte's lines or how she was explained or, you know, just, in fact, I had my mom, there's, there's this part where she, she has to put on men's clothes because her, her dress got all tattered and she's, she's no, they don't, they don't know where, where they, she can get like a, a new dress, a lady's dress. And so she has to wear Alice, some Alistair's male clothing. And, and, and I, I did the scene where she puts it on and she, she like looks in the mirror and she's kind of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, okay. That looks good. Like that, that will do, I guess. And my mom made a comment. She goes, oh my gosh, I've done this so many times. And I thought, <laughs> I, thought well, I haven't. <laughs> so, so it, for sure, Alistair was one of the most challenging, which is, which was mind boggling to me, but he really was. And Charlotte just came so effortlessly for me. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, that, that was, that was actually a lot of the revisions were fixing Alistair. <laughs> that, that is utterly fascinating by the way. And, and uh, it's true that, uh, you know, with, with every person, there's a different style. And if you listen carefully, many writers have a gender to their voice for lack yeah. of a better term. Right. Um, and so I, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to, to hear that your editor was like, you have an effeminate writing voice. Um, right. I'm kind of that there's that part of me that wants to see one of your original manuscripts so I can see what she was talking about, but, <laughs> but that's fantastic. <laughs> and I also love how frustrated, this is great. We need to make a documentary out of this. We need to make like a dramatic retelling <laughs> of you writing your first book. Right. Um, so you know, often it is the case, you know, whether it's acting or writing or role playing that we tend to infuse, especially like when, when we're making fictional characters, we will often make characters that are caricatures of some singular aspect of our own personality. Because when you're writing about a very human experience or a very personified experience, of course, you're going to draw on life experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the villain, uh, an author's villain will often reflect some negative aspect of the author's persona. Maybe they've gotten under control over the years. Maybe it's a representation of their addiction when they were younger. Maybe, you know, it, it could be a million things. Um, but because of that, sometimes it is painful or difficult or, or perhaps it's cathartic to write for a given character. Did you have a character that was challenging on an emotional mental level to write or one that was perhaps cathartic to write? It's hmm. another very good question. One that I, I don't have as snappy of an answer for it. Definitely. I going back to kind of your point there with, with how characters manifest, you know, different things. You can't get away from, kind of the unconscious plugins that you you put into your 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 art you know whether whether that is a book whether it's art whether it's a video game you know you just you just have it um so i i would i i gotta i gotta break it down this way that each character did not that i never i never built or conceptualized a character that had anything to do with me there was there was no i you know my i had a my aunt read um read the first book and she's like oh my gosh alistair's you right and it was embarrassing because i was like no no first of all he's way too cool but uh, <laughs> but uh and and i said no 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 if anything charlotte thinks more like I do and uh, she was surprised at that but really as I started writing though again that infusion just happened and so what I would say with Alistair um, Alistair as I wrote him he was a character who eventually became um, my resourcefulness 
I, 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 when, when I saw heroes that I liked, I loved the most resourceful ones. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to use an example here. I hope this doesn't separate me from the pack, but I am a diehard, diehard manga and anime fan. Just, just diehard since, since birth, pretty much. Wear it and... proudly, my friend. Wear it proudly. <laughs> and, and one that always struck me, especially in the, the earlier parts of it was Naruto because, because it wasn't, you know, you, growing up, we were watching Dragon Ball Z and it was this, you know, explosion of power and, and stuff, but Naruto brought in this whole aspect that I loved, where it was, it was the character's resourcefulness. You know, they had they had so many skills and so many tools they could use in each fight, and so they had to use them the right way. And that was Alistair. And 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 and, and you know, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say every character is the best aspects of myself, but but I've always been a super resourceful person, and so I would write Alistair into these these horrible predicaments without knowing how he was going to get out. And it, it, and, and um, it was, it was challenging, but also a ton of fun. Cause I would ride him into this, into this corner. And, and at any time you see him be resourceful in these books, I promise you 90% of them, I had no idea how he was going to get out at first. That's amazing. <laughs> and and then and then I would sit there and be like, okay, well, what would I do right then? You know, what would my gut instinct be? You know, and of course I'm the writer, so I can make it work or not work if I want, right? So um I'll I'll go back to I'll end with Charlotte, but uh, Giovanni, another character, uh he was definitely um the the catalyst, the the vessel for the emotion I wanted to inject into the story um i don't want to say any more about him and, and his character but but any re anyone who's read my book knows that that the the you know smashing emotional scenes and and parts that happen in this book primarily revolve around him and that's when you in, say this book are you talking about immortal cure or, or sky king or both both it, 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 both yeah um he he was because I I feel that I like heavy emotion, but in 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 compartmentalized you know uh, 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 spaces. I don't I don't I'm not a big you know drama all the time guy. You know that's why I'm catching one or two episodes of The Bachelor instead of watching the whole season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was definitely. I mean, especially my my want and desire for this this maybe fatherly character and and stuff. Um, another th and speaking of fatherly characters, that's something again another unconscious thing that comes out is I find that a lot of my storylines revolve around fathers, and uh, and I think that's because my my father was such a huge influence in my life. Any anyone who's been to any of the conventions, he's that he's that shorter black haired, darker skinned dude. That's always with me, um, selling my books with me. So, um, anyway, but, but, and then, and then another character who I, I don't want to spoil, but she's a childlike character. Definitely. I used her for, to ask the questions that I can't ask as, as an adult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I love, I, I feel like I have this, sometimes morbid curiosity, sometimes just childlike curiosity. Uh, and I, there's questions I always want to ask people, but I can't. And so she became kind of the vessel for that, where she would ask these uh, very uh, anti, uh, what would you <laughs> counter social questions or things that wouldn't, wouldn't be asked in normal society, I guess. Um, and then finally, Charlotte, and, the, and these are the kind of the four main characters here. Charlotte was was my anxieties and my fears, uh, oh. for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, she's and it's right at the beginning, so you know. But she's terrified of heights. I'm I'm not necessarily terrified of heights, but I've always been scared of the dark. It's been like something that uh, yeah. I've never really gotten over. You know, <laughs> I I remember my parents had this unfinished basement with for some odd reason the light switch on the furthest side of the, <laughs> furthest away from the door to go upstairs 
and you so have that all the sewer clowns can get you before you can yeah. get to light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, if I ever saw a red balloon, I'd just book it. But uh, <laughs> but um, and I would have to go and turn off that light, and it scared the living daylights out of me because I had to turn on the light to play down there at nighttime because I don't want to play in the dark. But then eventually, it meant that I had to turn off the light, and and just like what the goal with Charlotte was in this story and, and, and in, in both the second, first and second book was, is that I kind of came to this realization that cause I, I, the, the standard motion I would go through with the basement light is I turn off and then run as fast as I can. And it, it just, Oh my gosh, just this frenzy of, of anxiety because you know, it's, I mean, I'm running for a reason now, right? Cause there's something chasing me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I started forcing myself to turn off the light and walk. Um, and it, I felt like it was, it was one of those moments as a child where you, you grow up a bit and, and that is definitely what came out with Charlotte that she became, she, she's the, you know, when you're reading it, she's definitely the weakest member of the, of this party that, that goes through the story in the sense that she doesn't bring any amazing skill or this history of, of, you know, of, of battles or whatever it may be, but she, she has this, this courage despite all the fear. And, and so that's, that's, that's what I would say uh, with her. That's incredible. That's awesome, man. Um, you know, often it is the case that when, when you're writing a creative piece, there eventually comes a point where the story is it you're more of a conduit and the story is flowing through you as opposed to you crafting the story right yes. um uh, I, I i hate the expression the story writes itself but i i think that it adequately describes sort of the feeling it's it's where it, the it's where it, it's flowing through you and you can't stop it um and I mean that kind of like almost in a tragic way. Did you have that mo? Did did you have a moment in either book or maybe in both books where you found yourself writing something that had to happen? You knew it was the right thing to have happen, and it was tragic or terrible or it totally threw off what you were originally <laughs> planning. And and please feel free to avoid spoilers, but yes. talk about like talk about like your your personal experience and feelings about that. Uh, <laughs> no absolutely well and there was the, there were a few you know was there I, one was there one where you found was there one where you sort of like looked at yourself in the mirror and you're like i hate you uh, well honestly honestly one of the biggest challenges was was that I felt this way and so i i found myself trying to soften the blow for the reader um, for some of these these different things that happen, you know, I mean, I mean, if you read the first book, the, I I definitely I definitely wrote this without a without an age range in mind, um, right? But uh, but you know, good, I, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a good a good Christian boy. I don't, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like some, some horrid fan, fantasy story, but um, I. Yeah, I, I I found that I did feel this this kind of like sickening, like oh my gosh, does this need to happen? In fact, chapter four of book one, um, is is and it's early on in the story, um, was made me sick to my stomach to write. In fact, I I remember I remember rethinking the whole concept after that because I thought maybe this is this is too much. Um, and, uh, and so I, and again, I, as a writer, I found myself wanting to soften that blow for the reader. And, and there were times when I had to be like, like, no, this is, this is how the story is going to go, you know? And, and, uh, and I, I, and so, and so that was, that was probably the bigger challenge with this whole, um, writing something that I, 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 innerly didn't want to write you know internally didn't want to write um yeah, was yeah. that i i i felt okay i can't soften the blow here this has to happen because there has to be stakes or this has to happen 
because there's nothing else that can happen here. So, so yeah, no, there's definite moments. I'd say towards the end of book two, there's, there's, there's a big one that, that anyone's read it would know about. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I, and, and I wanted to make this point real quick. Cause you were saying, um, a story writes itself, which is completely untrue in my opinion too. I would say this though, is at least for me in my experience, the characters wrote the story. Um, yes. Because I, I I made these characters, and then once they became fleshed out characters, I I couldn't. I, there were certain things in the story where I oh, in fact, I remember a specific one where there was this little argument going on, and one of the characters said something. I thought I thought they need to say that because I need the story to go in this direction, but but they wouldn't say that. That's not that's. But like, isn't that dumb? Because if you think about, it, I'm the writer. They can say whatever they want, right? But no, that's that's not how it works. So. No, I mean, uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, there's, I had one particular character that I, in my first book, that I'm like, this guy is going to survive till the end. And as I'm writing, he died. Famous last like, words. Wait a minute. No, this can't happen. <laughs> but he, I mean, this character's like, I have to die. This is my moment. I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. And I'm just like, well, screw that. I, what, what am I do now? Because, you know, I had plans for him, um, you know, and I had another character that wasn't going to be that big of a deal. And he became a big deal. Like, it, I, you know, and now he's in the second book and he's one of my favorite characters to write because he went from this sequential character to someone that's actually important. And I actually love writing him. So they do. They write themselves. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think even uh, Bob Salvatore even said that when writing the Icewind Dell trilogy, because it was originally about Wolfgar. And then this Dark Elf showed up. And this Dark <laughs> Elf pretty much wrote his story and then took over the story and said, I'm the star. Everyone else yeah. is background. Um, so I, I truly believe, you know, characters are really, they're pulling the strings. You're just kind of the conduit for their voice. And right. if I can throw in a, a counter example, um, and, and I recognize this is not exactly the same thing, but just in the realm of creative storytelling, um, I was GMing a, a Star Wars D20 game, and it's it's arguably the best campaign I've ever run in my 30 years of being a GM. And there, I had originally built it around my my friend's character because at first it was a game for one character. And almost instantly, my wife got involved. It was her very first RPG. My sister got involved because she was my friend's girlfriend at the time. And then a few other friends got it. So it became like this group activity but the story was originally about my friend's character. And there was, a, there was a point where we were in a battle. He was consistently rolling poorly. I was consistently and undesirously rolling amazingly well. Nice. And I was just devastating him. And there came a point where, where he crit failed and I crit succeeded. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's death. That's the end, right? And I remember that moment... Because he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he knew what I was thinking. And then he was like, it's okay, Krebs. It's okay. And he gave me permission to kill off his character. And the the way that this becomes a counterexample is I could I could not let his character go. Yeah. Because I built so much around his character. Now, had I been a better GM at the time, I would have found a way to parse out those story elements, let the let the group carry on the legacy. There was total opportunity for hero growth there. And I totally spoiled it by doing some divine intervention and I saved his life. I, I put him in a coma. He had to get like immediate medical assistance and things like that, but um, but I spared him. And the game was never the same after that. The game actually took a downward turn because as you as you put it, CJ, um, this counterexample, I had removed the stakes. I had removed the jeopardy. I had removed the real threat. Now they all felt invincible because if I didn't want them to die, I was just going to intervene, yeah. right? Uh, and looking back on it, I, I should not have done that. So the fact that you two, both of you published authors, um, the fact that you took characters and you allowed tragedy to befall them when you didn't want to speaks highly of your your willingness to follow the creative flow as opposed to dictate what the creative flow should be. Well, as, oh, go ahead. I, I just, just real quick as an, as an anime fan, I say this painstaking. 
just it just hurts me to say this, but the desire for longevity in a story has killed many stories. <laughs> yes, know? yes, it has. It, it's, will it Goku has. get to get to so and so and defeat Frieza, or will Goku do this? Right. We wait, well, we wait seventeen 9, episodes for him to get somewhere. It's only oh, over I... nine thousand because they wouldn't stop at four thousand, right? Like yeah. it, it really it, the the. I think I think that desire, you know, having it locked in your mind that this was how it was supposed to go and and forcing it any. And what's so funny is as a casual watcher of something without any education, you can spot it. Yeah. You know, yeah. when that yeah. character gets revived, you're like, oh, awesome. But something's wrong here. So anyway, go ahead. Uh, no. you, uh, for those uh, of you who. Uh, let, let me just throw this in real quick, and I'll, and I'll throw it over to Dan. Um, watch, uh, audience members, watch the movie Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell and Emma Thompson. <laughs> um, because great, great example. Th- this, that film deals almost exclusively with what we're talking about. Right. And, it's, and, it's, and it's a brilliant, brilliant film. Dan, back to you. No, it's, it's okay. Sorry, I kept jumping in there. But, uh, you know, your example, your this guy's character was your main character. It's really hard to want to let go of that character. I mean, because, you know, like any book series, you know, that's who you build your, your series around. I mean, how would it be to suddenly say, hmm, I'm going to kill Dritz off now. He, he's no longer important. Where would the book series go? It would have died. I mean, George really. R. R. Martin doesn't seem to have a problem with it. Yep, but see, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay because everyone knows that no, no character is safe. So if you build that theme within your series, then it's okay. People are going to go, oh, yeah, no one's safe. I'm going to like this character, and he's probably dead by next book, if not by the end of this book. So in that case, it's okay. But when you're, you know, like Henry, my main character, I'm working on the third book, and I really feel like something has to happen to his character. You know, he's kind of scraped by in the last two books, but I feel like something really dramatic has to happen to him this book. And I'm struggling with that. Well, maybe he, he should lose his virginity. He, he's, no. he's, in his, he's in his late 30s. I, I really Jesus hope that's not Henry. the case. Anyways. Uh, what I, a twist. What I a mean, twist. This, the, the weird thing is Lenny's got the, girl, the, the girlfriend. But uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it, when it's your main character like that, you know, you don't want to let go. But there is sometimes you, you do have to let go. You know, one of my favorite uh, westerns uh, with John Wayne, the Cowboys. You know, he dies in that movie. It was really shocking to me because up until that point, you know, the hero always lived. He always made it to the end. And you know, it's John Wayne. He's invincible. But then he dies, and you're just like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. He he's the hero. No, this can't happen. But it can. It you know. Uh, fast forward to the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson, you know, Kelsier is built up as the hero and he dies, you know, almost to, at the end of the book. And you're just like, what, what this can't be, but it is possible. Your hero can die. The main yeah. character can die. There's gotta be that, that gravitas to it. And it's okay. If one of the other players steps in to that main character role and, and takes yeah. up the mantle, um, you know, and I was going to say, oh, I was going to say about that, that, you know, um, you would talk about like death, but death isn't the only, um, thing that can happen to a character that people wouldn't want to happen to a character. Yeah. There's so many different aspects. And what I think is most important in a story. And, and again, I just, I got to bring up long running anime series as an example of this is that whether a character dies or not, whether, you know, uh, they lose their virginity or whatever the twist is, right? <laughs> don't know where I left it. It was in my bag yesterday. <laughs> whatever it may be, you, as the reader, you have to believe that it could happen. Yeah. Because as soon as you, as soon as you know it's not going to happen, that you lose something in the story, you know? I, mean, I I'm not a big fan of these books that, that to prove something, kill off, dozens of characters you know i've always had this i've always had this sour taste in my mouth for uh 
the Hunger Games uh, uh, starts in the F. Uh, what's his name? The oh gosh, the the guy who uses the trident, who's her. Uh, wait, wait. Which story are we talking about? In Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. Oh, in Hunger Games. Uh, Finnick. Finnick. Yeah, Finnick. Just, just this sour taste and 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 stuff. But anyway, but the point I'm trying to make is that I I think it's important that that if you are committed as an author to do whatever it takes to get through that story, and it turns out how you want it, that's great. But but don't let don't don't give up the the feeling of what anything could happen for a yeah. safe you know a, a, a safe story <laughs> yeah the the integrity of the story has to come first right and if the story if the story demands that something take place then it's got to take place i i love going back to something you said earlier i love that you take your resourceful character and you throw him in a terrible situation and you're like i don't know I don't know how he's going to get out of that. I don't even know if he's going to get out of that. Um, similar in vain. If you guys have never seen the, oh, it's got to be 1999, 1998 film, uh, Rob Roy with Liam Neeson and Jessica oh my Lange. Gosh. No. I love that. I love that film Great so movie. much. The ending of that movie. If, if you watch nothing else about that movie, watch, watch only the duels the sword duels there's one there's one earlier in the film and then there's one at the very end of the film it's with uh, the one at the end of the film is between tim roth and liam neeson uh, and the way that fight ends is completely unexpected and wholly cathartic uh, i i've never even heard of it so i gotta check it out my wife is a decent fan Oh yeah. Well, no. then maybe she's it, heard it, of it. it <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, I, I'd like to go back to your series for a second, The Eternal Alchemist. So you've got two books out. When did uh remind me? When did the Sky King uh, get published? When did that come out? So that it was September 2019. Yeah. So that's really? just handful of months ago. It was yeah. yeah. It was uh, if I remember right, it was a fan X that you just released it, right? Just or just yep. before that. So yeah. it begs the question: if if you have evolved so immensely in the last year. And you just released this book back in September. Is there a third, and when can we expect it? So yeah, so and and I have I've I have not kept this a secret. So it's a it like I said, this is a long running series. I I honestly I wish I would have picked a shorter one <laughs> <laughs> for my first series, to be honest. But um yeah, so I'm I'm half I'm more than halfway done with the first draft of book three. I've been telling all my readers, you know, I pumped out book two. I I felt very accountable to write another book um, as fast, but also, I mean, as fast as possible without giving up any integrity of the story, right? Because I, at FanX 2018, which is where I released my first book, we, I mean, I mean, I, and, and, and Michael Brent Collins, who's been a, a great mentor for me, you know, he was, surprised at how well it was doing and i was surprised and everyone else was surprised and and i had so many of these people be like if i buy this book i don't you you have to keep on going because i don't i there's been too many of these authors who come in and then just dump the series and so i pumped yeah. out the second book as quick as possible i have told them though it's going to be april 2021 is the release of book three well, that gives all of us really slow readers like me plenty of time to get through two books. Well, in the nice thing, the nice thing about how I've structured this is so I, I love Wheel of Time. Um, Great man. Great man. I, I, ha I haven't finished it. I would, so I, I guess do, do, don't don't hate me. I That's okay. Finished. Neither I did Robert Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sorry. Too soon. Too soon. I know. Sorry. Um, it was a cheap joke. Go on. <laughs> but when I when I was coming up with this story, I thought if I'm going to write multiple uh, books and have this go longer, I want to I want it to be I want to have like little self-contained stories. So so books one and two. So the Immortal Cure and Sky King, that's Charlotte and Alistair's story. And the the book three is going to take place about 100 years later in what's called the Magic Continent. So it's not even in the same place as the other two books. Obviously, there's events and 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 other 
things that tie everything together. But, but I wanted to be able to be like, well, you know, I want to experience Charlotte Nallister's story. I don't feel like reading all six books. So I read this, you know, and, or, or I want to, I want to experience Fabian and, and, and Olivia's story, which those are the two main characters, book three and four. And so I'm writing them to be, a, it's a, it's a series of six books, but it's a trilogy of duologies where you can just pick up books three and four, one and two, probably not four and six. It's going to wrap everything together, but, but at least those, the, so, so my readers can be content to know that that book two gives you a, a solid ending to these characters you love um there's obviously a lot of questions left over i will answer them but you can at least go into thinking you know this is going to take a while but you are going to get some completed stories throughout it so awesome no i i like that um i mean i'm not a fan of robert jordan sorry uh yeah i always felt like he stretched it too long the story went too long and it, it it watered down, it got weak, and there's a lot of stuff that could have been more concise and we could have skipped. Um, you know, I, I love Tolkien, but, you know, there's a lot of times where he, you know, even Tolkien got way too wordy and flowery, and it's like, why do we, Farmer Maggot, why? Bogwites, why? We never see him again. We, nothing, yeah. Um, but it sounds like even though, I mean, you're kind of going with a similar form formula like he did but it sounds more self-contained where it is a complete story within two books and then you move on to the next group two more books um and then but there's still an overall arc throughout those books and it will end very nicely so i think that's the better way to do it you know and i i like the fact that you know if someone's fan of certain characters they don't need to read the other books they can just focus in on those um that's always a good thing (laughs) Uh, it, it reminds me of of um, R.A. Salvatore's uh, series of, of Driss yeah. novels because they're broken up into sort of like, for lack of a better term, they're broken up into campaigns, right? Yeah. So you'll get like, you'll get duologies and trilogies um, of just concise stories. It's the same characters. They continue on in their lives. But um, but this story wraps up in a trilogy. And when you're done, you're done. If you want to walk away, you can. Yeah. No, it, I, and and that's definitely kind of where I was going with that is, you know, he has, you know, it's four or three books, but it, you, you could read those and you'd be fine. If you want to know more, you can go read the other ones, but you don't have to. The complete story is in those, those, those books. So I, I actually picked up the idea from the Mistborn series. Um, mm. I, I, I mean, I love the original trilogy, but Alloy of Law, I could, I could read that book a bazillion times. I That's thought actually, <laughs> that one's my favorite. In fact, I'm listening to it on Audible again. Wax and Wayne. Oh my gosh. He knocked it out of the park with that book. Just, 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 it was fun. It was snappy. The pacing was amazing. And I, I sat there and thought like, I'll probably go back and read the original trilogy to refresh myself every once in a while, but I'll probably read Alloy of Law and, and the whole Wax and Wayne. Not, what is it? It's not a trilogy. It's a, well, there's supposed to be four books, but the fourth four one books. hasn't come out yet. What uh, do you even call that? Talking about how... Tetralogy. There we go. Thank you. Or quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Quadrilogy, yeah. And, and I'll probably read it. And so that's where I got the idea is that I wanted to show consequences over time, how the world and society shifted, how technology changed, how alchemy you know, changed the whole world as it goes on. Um, but I wanted to also have these characters and, and, and for anyone's concerned with that, they're going to, they, they love Alistair and Charlotte and they're sad that they're gone. Uh, let me tell you the, the newest characters I've introduced in book three, Fabian and Olivia, I, and I had, I don't have a ton of experience with writing. Obviously these are my only two books, but I have never had more fun writing two characters and, and, Honestly, they're strong characters because they just their their interactions carry almost the entire story. So, so look forward to that. It. Sounds awesome. 
We're we're up against our time here. I would ask you real quick if there's a, um you know is there do you have social media that people can follow you on? Is there a venue that you're going to be at in the near future that people can catch up with you? What how do we follow the progress of CJ Olson? So I I have to I have I want to make sure I I I, I humbly uh, say this. I I am trying to catch up to the pace of. I, you know, I thought, I thought this was going to be, I was going to go to my first show. I was going to sell five books and I was going to just be happy that someone was reading my story. <laughs> and so we actually, <laughs> we, uh, we are, we are trying to catch up with this right now. Uh, for instance, I took all my books down from, from Amazon and eBay, and we are now doing some work to get everything back up, but we're going to have the eBooks and the physical copies already straight from Amazon here in the next month or two. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so you, so most of my, inter- my social media is done through Insta- my Instagram, uh, which my wife so lovingly helps me run. <laughs> so I got to look <laughs> what the, what the, so it's just, it's just c.j.olson, uh, or author, author underscore cj underscore Olson is the, uh, the uh uh my goodness i'm so sorry the instagram thank you the instagram (laughs) Um, also also you can find me on facebook my the eternal alchemist is the facebook page um and then i also have a website it's uh the eternal alchemist.com and if you're interested in seeing kind of my plans for the series and stuff I've, i've posted the titles of each book all six books so you can speculate on what that means, and and uh, and I try to do updates through that and stuff. So I'm 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 eventually here going to get a blog rolling where I can talk about uh, kind of where I'm at um, in my writing. But again, be patient with me. Working out. We just bought a new house. I actually just switched over to a, a really awesome new job. So I'm I'm working on. Well, hey. Right <laughs> well, congratulations. You, you've had a year of tremendous growth. You've got two books out. You've got a new home, new job. Uh, and it sounds like we're going to see a lot of really amazing things from CJ Olson going forward. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I look forward to hearing your guys' review. So, folks, no, uh, we've said it before. I said it at the beginning. Oh. Buy them. Both books. Go buy them. Uh, they're definitely well worth the read. Uh, if you you know, if you want a signed copy, just go to FanX. I'm sure CJ's going to be there again. You oh. can get it signed there. Um, if I he's will be next at FanX this year. Oh, you're not? I, I will. Be. No, he I will. said he will be. Oh, he will. Okay. That, that's assuming that Corona doesn't cancel it, of course. If the coronavirus does not cancel it. That's I, not till September. I doubt it'll last that long. I will be. Uh, uh, but with, you know, with that said, find a copy. Um, go to FanX. Have them sign it. Uh, it's worth it. You know, that, that's one thing that I, I love about books. I mean, I have so many books. I mean, there's several behind me, but I have boxes and boxes of books. I just kind of rotate them out. But um, it's something you can always sit down. You know, the power's out. You can still read a book. You know, power's out. You can't watch TV anymore. You can't watch a movie. But when you, can you can't read a book. paper, you can read a book. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, you go camping, you can take a book along with you. You go on a plane ride, take a book. Car ride, some people can't read. They get car sick. But that's okay. You got audio books for that. Uh, but that is the great thing about a book. Uh, I actually find that I spend more time reading or listening to an audiobook than I do actually with TV. And it's, it's a fantastic journey. You know, every person that reads a book interprets it different. Every character, it sounds or is different in their mind. Like, you know, I'm sure Wax and Wayne for me is completely different than how you see Wax and Wayne when you read the book. Um, but that's what, that, that was, what is so fantastic about reading and enjoyable that you can read a book multiple times over and over and still enjoy it. Um, you know, it's like your favorite movie. So definitely pick up a copy. You won't regret it. The Eternal Alchemist series, book one and two. There are four more on the way. That means you know for sure you're going to get some awesome entertainment. And he, clearly, he's already put out book two. So you know he's not just going to do a one-hit wonder and disappear. Um, 
Yes, CJ, that does happen. CJ, thank you so much for being on the show, man. It was oh. a pleasure. It was wonderful having yes. you as a guest. You guys, I don't, I don't even feel like I deserve this. Thank you so much for having me be a part of this. It's amazing what you've built here, and and uh, you know what? I I'm always down for another conversation anytime you guys you guys want. <laughs> well, it sounds like we're gonna have at least four more. Yes, yeah. at least four more, and maybe maybe some some ga- tabletop gaming. Oh yes. That Sounds good fun. to me. I'm new to it. So yeah. So um, with that said, folks, uh, pick up a copy, catch our next episode, and we'll catch you next time. And until next time, internet, be epic. Don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you always.